Today, I'm with Steve, Steve Backrack. Now, Steve, first of all, thank you for coming along for this interview. Tell us a little bit where you grew up, where you started life. I was born in Twickenham and moved to Somerset when I was five, a place called Marston Magna. And I've lived in Somerset ever since. I was in Marston Magna until I left home, so 15, 16 years. Yeah, still got family there. Uh, both my brothers live there. A few friends that I keep in contact with via Facebook. Oh, you mentioned brothers. So you've got two brothers. Are they older, younger than you? Where do you sort of fit in all that? Yeah, I'm a typical middle child. So I've got one who's older and one who's younger. And obviously you've done well for yourself. <laughs> I've done well for myself as a middle child. Yes, I've done well for myself. I've stuck up for myself. I haven't let them beat me about too much. Just tell the listeners what sort of things interested you as a youngster. I loved being outside, but I also loved history. I remember at primary school writing a history of the parish, which was probably intensely boring, but I thought it was fascinating. <laughs> We used to go and survey historical sites like that with a, a local history group, uh, which I really enjoyed. I'm sure this place is littered with history. I'm going back beyond the Romans and, and then um, other periods in history. This area is called Wessex, and you probably got a, a handle on all this. Yeah, uh, Wessex, one of the last great kingdoms of Britain. But we lived not far from Cadbury Castle, the authentic site of Camelot although some people don't reckon it is. And we took part in excavations there and stuff like that. Did you discover anything, a pot of gold or anything? Discovered absolutely nothing. <laughs> you, hear, you hear these stories of metal detectors. I've got a friend who's a detectorist, and he's discovered all sorts of coins, Roman coins and stuff like that, which is fascinating, but not for me. So eventually you probably decided on some sort of career. Just tell the listeners what direction you went in. I fell into careers. From school, having failed my A-levels, I went on to do a national diploma in horticulture at a place called Cannington near Bridgewater. And that was my first career, really, uh, in horticulture. Is it true to say you got green fingers or was you more of a designer? I had very black fingers from scrabbling around in the soil. I, I, I really enjoyed propagation, plant propagation, garden design, landscaping, hard landscaping, arboriculture, all sorts of stuff, but then went into uh, sports turf maintenance. Sports turf. Now, technology's changed a little bit there. I'm sure it's, it's incredible how they keep the grass green compared to the old days when it was just mud bath in the winter. Uh, what's your feeling about artificial turf? Artificial turf. Pah. You don't like it too much. It's probably got a place, isn't it? It's not for every situation. It has its place, and its place is in the garden centre. Oh, right, on a rack, yeah, <laughs> unsold. No, we won't go... Well, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to make a comment either way, really. It's, as I said before, it's probably got its place. So, horticulture, design, propagation. Have you got your name given to any plants? No, I haven't. But when I worked for Yeovil District Council... There was a large roundabout that had just been built. We were landscaping it and putting in some crocus bulbs. I made these crocus bulbs into my initials, which was great the first year, but council weren't impressed and removed it very quickly. <laughs> I was hoping to go and visit that and see if they're still there. There are no crocuses there at all now. No crocuses at all. Pointing. Yeah. 
That's just not fair. You've sort of triggered something in my mind here. It's like a phantom planter. You know, you can get get a packet of seeds and throw them into a hedge or something. Is, is that a no-no or is that okay to do? Uh, gorilla gardening, it's called. And it's great because you can have uh, an impact by doing very little. I've often thought, because some of the hedgerows here, they look lovely when they're manicured, but I think, wouldn't it be nice if there was honeysuckle growing in the, in the hedgerows? Not only when you're walking by, you get a nice sweet smell. Uh, you know, hedgerows are functional, but they sometimes look a bit boring, don't they? Uh, they can look a bit boring. A nicely laid hedge, though, yeah. is beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Did you remain in horticulture as a career? Yeah, I stayed in horticulture for a number of years. When I married Amanda... I started working with young people, training young people in horticulture. And from that, I moved towards the career service, trained for the career service, became unemployed for a number of years, and then started working in IT quite by chance, really. That seems a bit ironic, working for the career service and then being made unemployed. Yeah, it was a time when the adolescent career service was facing the axe. So local authorities were withdrawing funding. And it just happened to be the time when I was uh, most likely to be forced out. Um, you were working for the county council at the time. What happened after that then? Yeah, a friend invited me to do some work for him, unpaid. He said, I've got a computer, you can do some work for me and find out about computers. I realised I loved the work. So he said, get yourself a training course and I'll employ you for a year. What period of time? Because computing has changed so much in, in just a few years. So what, what sort of era was this? It was the early 1980s. PCs had just come into the UK. It was very soon after that. Um, so you was in on the ground floor on that. Did you see that as a good career? Yeah, I did. Not only did I enjoy the work, it seemed to be something that had possibilities as far as a career and progression were concerned. Clearly, you had a grounding with technical skill in the careers that you've been involved in the design in horticulture and the use of computing where do you think that came from yeah i think early on my uncle was a civil engineer worked on the thames flood barrier i wanted to be like him so there was an engineering side there but also in the sixth form a computer arrived and the computer club were the only people allowed to touch it. And it was fascinating. I can see that was probably something that inspired you. These things that sit in our heads, they germinate. And you've really sort of taken that on board with in the careers that you're doing now. Right, Steve, um, as a youngster, did you get up to any silly pranks or do anything a bit crazy? Yeah, I loved climbing trees. There was a huge beech tree in our garden, probably 70 foot tall. One day I climbed to the top of it. I suppose I was about 13. Started climbing down. It's a great view from up there. But started climbing down and realised I couldn't reach the next branch below. So I hollered and screamed for what seemed like hours. Everybody completely ignored me. Uh, and in the end, I had to hang on and drop down onto the branch below and hope I caught it. But I am here. That must have scared you a bit. <laughs> Life-threateningly terrifying. Yeah, that's good experience, I'm sure, uh, for life, being exposed to some of those dangers. Yeah, it, it was a uh, good experience for canoeing later on in life, you know, getting to the top of a waterfall and thinking, I'm going to die on my way down, but never did. Right, so you've done some canoeing as well. Um, they grade, do, do you do rapids as well? 
Yeah, yeah, they grade them up to grade five, but probably the the worst I've ever done is between grade three and four. I've done a grade one <laughs> in, with a group of people, yeah, yeah, and uh, in Canada, you don't still do canoeing, do you? No, did a lot of white water stuff um, in an open canoe. In the end, it's just too much hassle getting there and getting back. So sold all my stuff. I know you like your cycling, and cycling, at least you can take the equipment with you and bring it back with you and sit down at the same time. That's good. (laughs) Yeah, sitting down. Sitting down, I never thought of it like that. It's kind of armchair exercise, really, isn't it? it And you get the view. Uh, We'll come on to your cycling uh, interest later. Have you had any other funny experiences as a youth? It sounds as though you, you like the outdoor life and camping and what have you. Yeah, I remember setting fire to some grass on an embankment one time. I enjoyed playing with fire, but then being terrified as I watched this fire work its way towards the nearest factory. And (laughs) eventually the wind was blowing in the wrong direction and blew it out. But it was a moment when I sweated buckets. You don't go back as far as steam engines, but you could always blame a steam engine passing by causing that. Well, it was actually on a railway embankment, so I do remember steam engines, yeah. Right, okay. Do you have any other little anecdotes? Yeah, I used to do a lot of hostelling. When I left college, I went to see a friend in Kent and was trying to get a hostel near Bedgebury. They wouldn't book it over the phone, so I hitched the last 30 miles. By the time I got there, bed was gone. Sorry, we've got no room. So I spent the night under a hedge until it started raining. Then found an old shed where I didn't sleep at all because I was sure it was full of rats. Next morning, I got up pretty dreary, tired. It was horrible. You've gone through the middle of some of these things, setting fire to an embankment, falling out of a tree, sleeping rough. Um, Steve, you're a character. Thanks very much, Malcolm. (laughs) Steve, just going back a little while, just tell the listeners a little bit about your family life. Yeah, I married Amanda in 1982. We had one little one, uh, baby, when I trained for the career service. By the time that uh, I got into IT, we had four little ones. Uh, So we've got four children, two girls, two boys. Two of them live in the States, two of them live in the UK. So it must have been a full house at that time when they were raising them. It was a very full house, two bedrooms. Uh, The bathroom was through our bedroom, so they all had to come through our bedroom to get to the bathroom. Right, well, that's better than sleeping in a hedge, though, isn't it? (laughs) Much better than sleeping in a hedge. Um, And I'm impressed, by the way, that you remember the year that you and Amanda got married. (laughs) How could I forget it? (laughs) I know, sometimes it's, oh, was it 81? Was it 82? Yeah, I remember. You could get a a year out badge from that Radio 2 show. Yeah, we've been married uh, 41 years now. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, you Right, so just coming back now, back up to the current times with uh, IT, you obviously really took off as a career in the end. Yeah, I, I did a year's work for this guy who'd given me the chance and then moved on from him to another company, working with Max, working with digital assistants, doing contract work for people like uh, Yellow Pages, Uh, And then from there, I started teaching evening classes in programming that eventually worked into a a full-time career in teaching. Just explain to the listeners how that 
that pans out. Yeah, I'm I'm now uh, working for an exam board. I've been working for them for about 20 years. Um, I write a computer science GCSE paper. So I write the questions and I also lead a team of examiners who um, who actually mark the papers when the kids sit them. So software and computing has changed a lot. Does that not does that mean that you really have to keep up to date with absolutely everything? Uh, I used to when I was teaching, but now my paper is to do with fundamentals of computing, which doesn't change a lot. It's to do with principles rather than actual software. I've always been intrigued by the Apollo moon landings, the software that was written back in 1968, 69, whenever it was. It was groundbreaking, apparently, and some of the theories and the algorithms are probably still in practice today. So when you talk about fundamentals, is that what you're talking about? Yeah, I'm talking about the way the computer actually works. So the way the computers work hasn't really changed a lot. You still get the same types of components, although they're miniaturized. They still work in similar ways. Does the thought of quantum computing completely scare the pants off you? Not in the slightest, because I have no understanding of it whatsoever. Yeah, me too. I haven't got a clue. <laughs> I'm trying to find someone to explain quantum mechanics to me. So we're bang up to date now. But you, I know in all of this, you've got lots of other interests. I've seen you cycling, running. Just perhaps explain to the listeners some of those activities. Yeah, I've cycled all my life, but about eight years ago, eight, nine years ago, I started working for an organisation called Wheels for All, which was an inclusive cycling project based at Odd Down Cycle Circuit. They trained me as a cycling instructor. I work with primary schools now, teach children bikeability. I also enjoy running. I've run a few half marathons, and I'm going to run one this year for the first time in 10 years. Last year, I cycled from Land's End to John O'Groats, which is about 1,100 miles. And I'm going to do it again this year with Amanda. Wow. You do so many clever things. Now, we've not touched on your faith. How would you say that your Christian faith aided yours happened in, in that time with the activities you've been doing? Yeah, I've been a Christian since I was about 19. It did make a big impact on my life. It, it changed the direction of my life because... My life became more church-focused rather than, this is what I want to do, I'm going to do it. It was, where does God want me to be and how can I do that thing where God wants me to be? So, And that's been a key pointer throughout our married life and certainly in career choices. It's been, what does God want me to do? I'm interested in this. Does this fit in with God's plan? Yeah, and that period of unemployment, three years is a long time, was faith a big part of your life? Yeah, it was. And particularly support from the church. We were supported a huge amount. We were given guidance. People people actually prayed for us and said uh, things like, this is what I believe God is saying to you. The history that we could see of God's faithfulness to us helped us through that period because we knew that God was faithful and God would lead us out of it. And during this time, was you here in Midsummer Norton or was you at another church? No, we're in Midsummer Norton. We moved to Midsummer Norton as part of a church plant. So the church was probably 40 or 50 people around then. We've stayed in Midsummer Norton ever since because this is the community that we love. 
often your faith will lead you step by step. It sounds as though your career from, from being made redundant, moving into computing, was probably a big step, but it was nevertheless a step-by-step approach. It was step-by-step. Step. I do believe God led us, or led me, every step of the way. As one thing finished, God opened up a new thing. Again, but coming bang up to date, you mentioned your cycling impressive journey from Nan's End to John O'Groats. That's probably something that you gives you the opportunity to meet people on the way because you can't just obviously do it in one go. You've got to stop overnight in places, even if it's stopping overnight in a hedge somewhere. <laughs> but you get the opportunity, almost like a pilgrimage in a way. Uh, one of the things that stands out to me last year was turning up at a cafe, bit of a wet day. And I got chatting to this guy who came from a village not far from here. As we chatted, he said, you seem like a nice bloke. And then he poured out his grief, really, because his wife had died uh, after a long illness. And this was his first cycle trip. And I said, I'd like to pray for you. And he really appreciated it. So moments like that are really special. It sounds to me that you got a fabulous front line, the opportunity to talk to and meet people and share with them. Do you relish that and possibly this coming year when you're going to do this journey again? Yeah, I do. I, I love people. I love talking to people. If the opportunity presents it, I love praying for them. Other things other than cycling, Steve, I know you're into running and walking and what have you. Perhaps just explain to listeners a little bit about the running side of things. Yeah, I picked up running from Amanda. Uh, she's run many years longer than I have. I started running with her and enjoyed it and started to do half marathons. More recently, I've been involved with helping to set up the town run, uh, which happens on the first Saturday of the month, uh, which is a free community event. And what I love about it is that we get people from all over, all sorts of people, uh, and it's just the ability to welcome them, have a chat with them, give them a cup of tea, enjoy running with them. I think it's a fantastic service to the community and I love being part of it. Yeah, well done for doing that. And I know there's a team of you doing it. You're not just doing this, you two, on your own. There's a good team of you. Yeah, it's a good team. There's about uh, 16 or 17 people who are committed every time. Not, not all church-based, but the people who are in that core team have a real heart for the community, which is what I love. Have you pushed yourself a bit further with this running, uh, marathons and half marathons? Well, as I am now 66, I decided it was time I did another mar half, no, not marathon, too far, another half marathon. So I'm going to do Bath Half in October. So those that don't know about the Bath Half Marathon, is that a, a Sunday event and the, do the police close the roads? What, what actually happens? Yeah, it's a, it's a closed road event. It takes place in the centre of Bath, starts and finishes in Victoria Park. And it's great fun. Huge crowds along the way cheering you on, which is great. Perhaps some of the listeners could come and cheer you along. So just remind them again um, the, the dates of that. Uh, I think it's October the 15th. Not absolutely certain of that date. Second weekend in October. Good. So weather should still be all right by then. Any listeners out there, come and support Steve and give him a cheer as he comes through the, the finishing line. But Steve, it's been really great chatting with you, hearing your story. There's probably lots of things that we've not covered, lots of secrets you're not prepared to reveal. <laughs> but I'm sure that the listeners will enjoy this. Uh, and And thank you once again. 
Well, thanks for talking to me, Malcolm. And if you want to ask about secrets, come and ask me. <laughs> but I'm sure you haven't got anything uh, hidden away there. Just um, some fun stories. So thanks once again, uh, Steve. Thank you.